0: Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala, and I'm
1: Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies room so we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back once again to the ladies room. How far we've come. Yes, and I've said once again, because I know you're cranky, because we're having audio (laughs) problems. I was cranky before that started. That's true. And so we've decided that it. we've been restarting. But now if Allie has audio problems, I'm just going to say the code safe word Beaver. And she will switch her audio. And we're just going to roll with the punches. And then I will take all my clothes off
0: at the same time.
1: I think you should do it first just to be safe. That it's not your clothes. <laughs> interfering That's with your audio. <laughs> Coming to you naked from the ladies room. From
0: the ladies room. I mean, for all
1: everyone knows, we've been naked this whole time.
0: It's true. We won't get into those, those things.
1: I read something, somebody posted something this week on Facebook that was so funny. They said, if you're totally naked and you want to feel more naked, put your shoes on.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Isn't it? Because you really do feel super naked. If you're naked with your shoes on, you're like so aware of your nakedness.
0: Yeah. Cause shoes are like the last thing you would ever wear by itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the cognitive dissonance of being naked with shoes on. Your brain's like, mean on, mean on, off. That's fantastic. Is streaking still
0: a thing? I'm just thinking about like the times in my life where I know people who've been running naked with their shoes on. And then I was wondering if that was still a thing or if that was like something from the
1: 90s. I, I think it was before that. But I'm thinking, I'm wondering how many behaviors have changed now that everyone has a phone in their pocket.
0: And they see everybody naked all the time.
1: Well, that might be true also. Um, like
0: running back and forth naked across your bedroom.
1: Yeah, do a naked TikTok where you dance around. <laughs> but I think, you know, those things that you did that, that were like ephemeral, I wonder if people don't do, like a streaking is ephemeral, right? Like not only are you, nobody recording you, but you're running so that nobody can really see. But now oh, with everyone, That could be
0: immortalized.
1: And it could be freeze-framed.
0: Which is, and zoomed in. Yeah. So it's like, maybe not great.
1: Not only does everyone have a phone in their pocket now, it's a pretty decent camera. (laughs) Right. So you'd be having like flapping genitals and high high depth. (laughs) It
0: looks like, no, no. I saw,
1: I saw a naked skydiving video one time and it was ridiculous.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. If
1: you can picture the flapping, everything was flapping.
0: <laughs> was it a man or a woman?
1: There was, it was a group. So, there oh, was no, like <laughs> any, any kind of flapping that you wanted to see was available in this video.
0: Well, I'm glad we're on point with our preferred topics. Yes, yeah, so we've gone in, we the we're in the stream. Room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And the, I love it. And this is even our second attempt. And it this was not any part of the first attempt. This is
0: way better than the first time. Agreed. So,
1: see, <laughs> when God closes a door, He opens a window. <laughs> he offers you to take your clothes off and put you on your sneakers. Do a naked skydiving video. Okay. <laughs> so, we're on deadline because Bobcha is back in Tucson and she's headed over here for steaks very right. soon. For anybody who doesn't know,
0: what's a Bobcha?
1: Aptja is a Polish grandma.
0: And Eric Babcha. and your husband's mommy is Polish. Yes, Polish my hu- Yes.
1: Yes, my husband is first generation American. I used to laugh when Riley was baby. I'd be like, "She's half Polish, 50%." I'm not wow. 50% anything. That's true. He's like 50% seven. Polish. Yeah, she's 50%. She's second generation American. Isn't that insane? It is kind of amazing. I met a
0: guy the other day who was visiting from Puerto Rico. And I was like, oh, my grandfather's Puerto Rican. And he looks at me, uh, because I'm very white. And he looks at me and I'm like, yeah. He goes, hmm. (laughs) like Literally, he says, hmm. I'm like, well, I know I look really white, but I am a quarter Puerto Rican. And he was just like, hmm. I go, I have the Puerto Rican temper to prove it. And then he laughed and believed me. Yeah,
1: like watch, keep saying hmm and watch me get mad. (laughs) Right, hmm. It's, it's interesting, too, because um, like a few years ago, that racist twat Ann Coulter was, um, <laughs> she was proposing, <laughs> she proposed that the only people who were able to vote in the U.S. needed to have four grandparents who were born in the U.S. Yeah, that's insane. It is. And what's interesting is she was targeting that at brown people. For sure, she was targeting that at brown people. Why? But I'm like,
0: because Wait, she's why? a racist twat, because- I
1: said. <laughs> no but i mean why does that especially apply to brown okay no in her mind in her mind having oh, four grandparents I born here means you're white like wow. in her mind a white person has been here a super long time but with that four grandparent rule not only would my daughter not be able to vote here her, her dad my husband wouldn't be able to vote and in fact, would, would Riley's children be able to vote? No, Riley's children would not be able to vote here. My grand
0: no. Riley's children would be able to vote because you...
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, depending who depending she on, married, on who she married. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Who's a
0: mathematician now? Well, I Just was kidding, more thinking like,
1: like <laughs> her grandparents being my parents, but yeah.
0: But we've learned like, that your math skills are impaired by other people's stupidity. So keep true. that in mind. <laughs>
1: It's so furious. Um, I stopped listening to you at this point, but it is interesting because I wouldn't be able to vote. You didn't have four grandparents born here. Both of
0: my mom's parents, my grandpa, I just started the story thing. My grandfather was from Puerto Rico. Yeah, but Puerto Rico, was
1: it part of the U.S. at that point or not?
0: Well, let's be all honest that nobody really thinks that the, that of Puerto Rico is part of the U.S., but my (laughs) grandmother was born in Italy, so.
1: yeah. So I just thought it was interesting because I'm like, yeah, she's being all racist and stuff. And I'm sure she wouldn't care that a bunch of white people got caught up in it. But I'm sure in her frame, no white people meet that criteria. No, I, it's true. I just have to tell
0: this funny story. When we were traveling years ago, uh, Josie was maybe like nine. And I couldn't get it her through her head that like America wasn't just the United States. And all across Europe for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm like, yeah, she doesn't understand, but like the United States is not the only America. But then we got to Puerto Rico and she was like, some people were like, of course, asking her, where are you from? And she just looks at them like America. And they were just like, wow, dumb little blonde girl. Like, it was just so funny because they were just like,
1: yep, so are we. And she's like, wow, <laughs>
0: she just couldn't. I just
1: thought it was fantastic. But if they were from Puerto Rico, they were also from the United States. I know, but
0: she just literally like, couldn't conceive of any of that. It didn't matter how many times we explained it. It was such a different experience. Like every, we were all over in South America too. She just, you know, everywhere we went, I'm from America. No,
1: I mean, to be fair, to be fair, colloquially, colloquially people say they're from America when they mean they're from the United States of America.
0: It's true. But I mean, when you're in Puerto Rico, you should probably not say that. Or when you're talking to somebody from South America, considers themselves
1: an American. That's true. But you said you were in Europe. So hmm, yes, but then we went to Puerto Rico. With the plane. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, now let's and- switch to my beaver story. All right, we're going to tell a beaver story. And then our topic on our deadline <laughs> is living with no regrets. So in the context of living with no regret, regrets, life should be full of plenty of beaver stories. It's true. So, so fire it up. So I took a couple days and went with
0: my mom to Zion this week. And it's like four hours from Salt Lake. Like that's one of the best things about Salt Lake is everything is very close. Like this side of the Mississippi, you get pretty much anywhere in a couple hours at most. So we're trekking down to Zion and we pass through this town named Beaver. And they ha- I see this giant sign. I shriek. I pull over so I can take you a picture. And I sent it to you. And then you said
1: something super funny. I don't know that I agree. I said they must've been on tour. You don't think that's funny. It's so great. It's like, it's like the amount of funny I could came up with in 10 seconds of responding.
0: (laughs) I did. I thought it was very funny. It made me laugh. And then I tried to get my mom at the gas station. There was like a giant wooden beaver and I made my mom take a picture But because my mom is so bad at taking pictures, you can't tell that it's me with the beaver. So I didn't send you that one. Mm,
1: That's disappointing.
0: All right. Well, that's that for the beaver
1: story that you then said wasn't funny, but I thought it was very funny. It is funny. I mean, it's funny enough. And also I have to throw out the safe word because your audio is doing whatever it's doing. So hold on. I'm taking my clothes off. Please hold while while Allie gets naked. Beaver, beaver, beaver. All right.
0: It's going to be amazing.
1: Okay. So now, now that I'm naked, now you're naked. And if it's the internet problems, then we're just where we are. Yep.
0: Also, we had a very important conversation today that we will not really be able to promise to fulfill on always, but we decided that we would never listen to a podcast as long as ours. So we're going to try and make them shorter for everybody.
1: It's true. And it, I have occasionally listened to podcasts as long as ours. Like when, um, when Tim Ferriss had Hugh Jackman, I listened to that one. It was very long. Well, that's
0: different because that's almost like watching pornography for
1: you. It is almost like that. listening
0: to it. it's audio porn.
1: <laughs> and I listened to it on single speed, which is even more impressive. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I don't even listen to ours on single speed.
0: No, of course not. Especially because you were part of the original conversation.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, I check it for audio and, you know, ego or whatever. Okay. <laughs> ego or whatever. Ego My favorite whatever. thing was
0: when we first started doing the podcast, you were like, we sound really great. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I've been wanting you to do this for years.
1: Also, that's one of the reasons to listen to myself on double speed because I sound smarter on double speed. Everybody does smarter because. and faster. <laughs> but, no, because like one of the ways they make people seem smart on TV shows and movies and stuff is to make them talk really fast because oh, yeah. it makes it seem like they're thinking really fast. Oh. All right. Lynn Rogala, smarter, faster, smarter, faster, smarter. When you talk faster, people just <laughs> assume that you're smarter when you talk fast. So listening to podcasts on double speed, everybody sounds way more intelligent and polished. Like, how are they just pulling this out of their ass? But really they might (laughs) be going, well, when I consider what's happening, but it sounds like, well, when I consider what's happening, blah, 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 blah. Like, ah, they're just their brain works a million miles a minute. I have friends, though, when I listen
0: to them on Marco Polo, some of them are on double speed. Sometimes I have to look and see if it's double speed and it is, but it still seems like single speed.
1: Yeah, those are maybe not your smartest friends.
0: <laughs> I'm going to send them this podcast immediately. They can talk faster.
1: I don't know who this it is so, you. So I'm <laughs> not insulting anybody really.
0: <laughs> None of them knew who they are either. So it's okay. All right. On to our podcast. Welcome. Welcome. I just put in
1: the second cough drop. Did I say that I'm using cough drops? I can't remember. I said it on the first one. No, not on this one. Oh, okay. So we moved back into a dusty house and it's allergy season and some other things. And my reactive airways are not (laughs) happy. And so I am like chaining breathe drops. Like I put the next one in before the first one is even gone. (laughs) It's like my body's like, I'm sensing the breathe drop is almost finished and then starting to seize up again. So I have a whole dish of them. I'm going to probably need about five fillings after this, but we soldier on. So <laughs> if you hear the clicking, the yeah, Look like this.
0: This, it's not you playing because I'm double cough
1: dropping. All right. All right. Very all right. Good. So, all right. So we're going to talk about living with no regrets. So why don't you set up like where this all comes and, And kind of giving a, like an update. I was looking actually at our analytics today. And when we did the ones about what was happening back, it was way back in June, like, like in the single digit podcasts, we were talking about this.
0: Wow. That is, well, yeah, I mean, five months ago, almost exactly. Well, I, when we were talking about what's going on, my oldest daughter, um, five months ago, this coming Friday had a, um accident she was cliff diving and she hit a boulder and landed on her feet and we spent months in salt lake while they tried to save her feet that's why we moved to salt lake so on friday so a couple days from now when we're recording this she's coming back to utah because she's having one of her feet amputated and it has been a long hard five months and in addition right i mean earlier podcast plenty of stories about like just some of the really hard parenting stuff that has gone on in our lives this last year. But um, for sure, Peggy's accident for me um, was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. It was just, it's, it was just so intense. There was just so little, I mean, you were there for every day, like just walking through it with me and it was hard for you. It was hard for the people supporting us because it was
1: so intense. It just took so much from our community not only intense, but so many unknowns um, because even right. even a child with like some kind of critical illness or something, there's usually a course that that follows, right? Like even a child who gets a cancer diagnosis, there's kind of a track that that runs on. I'm not trying to diminish it. Obviously it would be also horrible and in- intense. Right. There's kind of a track that that runs on, but this injury is such a rare like a double injury of this significance, and all those things. So and having was... to be
0: away from the home, your home base, and all the things were so complicated. Um, and it was just her and I in Utah for months. It was it was extremely extremely difficult. So outside of telling all that story, um, a few I don't know a month or so ago on the podcast, I was complaining, and to some degree, the thought like because my husband will say your rewards in heaven. <laughs> I'm like screw that like i want something in this now because nothing is worth going through this i don't care what happens in heaven and he heard me saying that on the podcast when i was recording it and he was really unhappy and um he's like cuz he uh, cuz i think he thought i was saying like that's not true like that there won't be reward in heaven or like mocking that but it was that i've been really struggling to find the value in what's actually going on in my life because it's been so costly. And I'm really good at extracting value. I feel like, you know, I can see, I mean, I'm, I I practice gratitude for all this. It's not that, but it's like, what was the point of this journey and how hard it was and the damage that it did and just all of it. So, um, I have been meeting with, um, a psychi- uh, therapist who I met with, um, when I was originally getting divorced and she's really, really brilliant, but Uh, we started meeting with her because of some of the personality stuff going on with our youngest daughter that we needed some support in, but she gave me this brilliant insight and I loved it so much that I really wanted to share it because I feel like it can be stolen. Um, You can borrow it if it applies, but I was sharing with her just what we were going through and just, you know, what it's, what it's like. And that feeling of like, what was the point of this? And she shared with me, that essentially she counsels people all the time that spent years working through regret. And she said, you know, all the things I watched you go through with your kids, like you've never once asked me, you know, you've never once had to process any regret. And it was like this amazing treasure to realize like that I had, I can stand like right here in this moment and know, like, I left everything on the field. Like I didn't hold anything back. I didn't do anything that I could look back and wonder would that have made a difference. And that's how I've showed up to, I mean, that's pretty much how I show up to everything, but it's especially how I've shown up to my parenting and, you know, like I'm kind of that worry like a warrior mom. Like I got my kids cause God intended, I think for me to fight for them.
1: Yeah. And And it's not, it's not only how it, you do show up for everything that way, but not everything demands of you the way, Right. right. It's like, it's like, I always run as fast as I can. Um, and the difference between running on a level surface and running up a hill, if you're running as fast as you can, and you're running up a hill, that's different from, you know, just running down the street as fast as you can. So when you say i show up this way to everything it's true and not signif- not not uh i was yeah. going to say significant but i don't mean that i mean it's not a sufficient enough thing to say because you show up wholehearted but this has demanded so much of you that that wholeheartedness wasn't really the same as showing up wholehearted to like cook for a church bake sale or something like that
0: <laughs> right no it's true and it just demanded so much of our resources. And we and I said to the, the therapist, her name is Bev, I said, like, hey, Bev, like, never, it never even crossed your mind, both John and I, like, not for a minute did we think of taking a pass and leaving this to somebody else. Like, this was our, my child. Like, we just did everything we possibly could. And that realization of living life like that, it's such a great... Um, it's been such a great burden, like a lifting of a burden for me because I realized like it's almost like standing on the edge of this horizon. Like I've scrabbled up and I can, you know, like wipe, lick my wounds. But I know when I stand up that nothing is dragging against my spirit as I move forward. And that having something to hold on to and cherish about my character and how God has taught me to like show up in life in the middle of this season has been exceptionally precious. And of course it's not over, right? Like I, you and I have talked about how do I show up this week for, with where we're at, with everything and a couple weeks ahead with whatever's going to happen, um, in the same way, like what is there to do at the point, this point that we're at. But, um, I just love the idea of just like living with a clean slate and, and I think a lot of times people that play full out like this, they don't ever really stop and realize like that there's a gift in it for them.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to keep talking about that, but I also want to circle back to something you said a few minutes ago, where you said, when John said that the, that the reward is in heaven and you said, I don't care about that. I think that's also not true either, because of course you do care about that. Like You want to be told that you've, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, but it wasn't um, enough. And, and right, like if I had to so... go
0: through this to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, I know I'm sure, I'm not sure I care. And I mean, that's not really the right sentiment, but yeah, it's... this cost me so much just emotionally and in my, my it was, just, I mean, it was just hard. Yeah, so like to stand in the middle of it and go, what is the, what's the, you know, like, what is the point of this? Um, you know, like, why? Like what is there in it? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I I'm trying to really make a distinction because I know you don't mean that you don't care, but it's more like there's easier ways to get that (laughs) is maybe what it is. Right. Like, but like I could
0: poured this over a situation where, I mean, I'm highly competent. I can do all kinds of things. Like God could have said to me, like, go raise, you know, a million dollars for orphans. And I probably could figure that out in five months with my nonprofit background, whatever, like I could have done a lot of good in the world. So it was hard for me to find like something of value in this for what was expended in this.
1: Yeah. That's really what it is. It's like the reward in heaven. Most of the things that we get rewarded for in heaven also have some kind of reward here. Like if you raised a million dollars for orphans, you would be able to see the orphans being cared for and, receive, you know, a feeling of right, I don't know, satisfaction. Even giving
0: anonymously can have this like really beautiful or praying in secret, you know, all those things that you know I think we're invited to learn not to do for show. Um
1: has, right. they has come with satisfaction yeah and fulfillment. And that was what was really lacking in this whole experience is yeah I'm getting a reward in heaven, but where's the satisfaction? Where's the fulfillment? And not from a sense of where's everyone telling me I'm doing a good job? Where's my <laughs> mother of the year crown? That was That's not what you're talking about either, but like some kind of soul hunger that needs to be satisfied now, today, before, like you can't wait until you die t- to eat that meal.
0: Right, because there's something about like, what's, what's gonna show up inside this investment? Like I poured all of this out. How do I show up for the next investment? Like this didn't produce anything but exhaustion which isn't true but in the moment like that's really like I was really grappling with that and we've grappled with some hard things and I mean like thinking about just parenting a mentally ill child who you don't know if they're ever going to be really okay in the world and making peace or being able to understand like maybe I mean you're the first person who said this but I think I've wrapped it around my heart enough now that it's mine too But maybe being Josie's mom was about her having, you know, nine years of peace Mm -hmm. that she maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. Like I can live with that. There's a treasure in that even as heartbreaking as the rest of it might be. But this experience, I just couldn't find, I found plenty to be grateful for. It wasn't even about gratitude, but it was about like a way to approach the space where I am now. And it was so lovely to have somebody go, oh, look over here, you have this treasure you didn't even know about. (laughs) And it was just great because I don't live with regret. Like I don't live like, oh, what if I had done this? Like, would it have made a difference? Or man, I better not show up next time in this way. And I don't want to live my life thinking maybe next time I should take a pass because that sucked and probably wasn't worth it. But knowing that there's this cumulative way I approach
1: life, it was really lovely. Yeah. It, and I, and I saw the difference. Like I, I actually had to get coached on this as well. <laughs> so much of my, it was comments- so hard.
0: I wasn't kidding how much you went through and my community went through. Like it was an incredible sacrifice from everyone whose life touched mine during the season.
1: Yeah. And, um, I had a coach say, um, she told me a story of, um, these monks that beg for alms, and they beg for alms in order to offer people the gift of the opportunity to be generous. And they look at that as a gift itself. Like the giver of the alms is, is um, receiving as much as the receiver of the alms. And that some people are put, like some people in situations are given to us so that we have the opportunity to show up in a certain way which I thought was really great. But even that didn't land for you the same way that the no regrets conversation did.
0: No. And like, now I can hear at the time I was like, I don't know what's the point of that. I mean, I really couldn't like, it just didn't land in my heart. Like when I hear it now, I'm like, yeah, I mean, at the time I was like, yeah, this is why I could do, you know, fundraising for nonprofits. Like you have to really believe that providing somebody an opportunity to give is a gift to them also, or else it's pretty hard to show up for asking people for money consistently mm-hmm. but when you really mm-hmm. care about what you're doing so I resonated with that but I couldn't place that with with Peggy I'm like Peggy like she is the person like just showing up in like she is the nun I mean the monk she's the nun yeah she's the monk in the story I don't know yeah because like, I'm like well no I could just give she's she not even the monk she needed it
1: she's not the monk in the story she's the opportunity to give in the story she's the request <laughs> for alms no really that that's really what it was is like her situation and and everything that was going on with her the opera it was the opportunity not a person like in the in the analogy she wasn't the person she was the request for the alms yeah
0: I know it didn't. I mean, it just couldn't like produce. I'm like, yeah, but I, I, I remember even saying to you, like, I already knew I was generous. Like I already knew I was giving, like, why couldn't I have given to something that produced? Like, it is interesting because I have an attach. I obviously have an attachment in giving that we should give wisely and they should be good investments that produce something. But like you said, there was so much unknown And it's not like a regret, like, I wish I could go back and not do that over again. It was just like, what was the, the ever good about,
1: what did the process produce, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting question because it kind of begs the question that everything should produce something.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I do really believe that one of the things that I, I don't even remember where this came from, but I know this lesson that emerged of just really feeling like I was responsible for everything I'm given and wasting it because one outcome or another didn't, wasn't guaranteed, or I couldn't have a certain thing. Like that wasn't like, like that wasn't worth it. And maybe it, I it also happened like right before I hit 42, there was this feeling of like, I don't, like I only have this one life and I've spent so much time with my, in a, you know, in a relationship that wasn't great and doing, you know, things because, you know, I was supposed to, and then realizing like at the end of the day, I just have this day to give these moments, this whatever. And I have to answer to myself, whether I can give that to my child in a way that's effective, or I can give that in a relationship, like I have to still give it. It's not like a lot of women. I mean, I'm sure men are like this way too. They just want to get married. And that's like their whole life revolves around just wanting to find a partner and they don't, and they stop giving not everybody, but they can stop giving that love away because it's not how they want it to look. So that was what that lesson was really about for me. Like that I was responsible for generating value um, inside of what my life was supposed to be about. But I don't think everything, I mean, yeah, I like everything to
1: produce value
0: in some way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, And that's an interesting belief to examine. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. It's just recognizing that that's one of the assumptions you brought to the situation. and and then look, it's also value... been a really effective coping skill like, well, this
0: didn't go well, but I can still see all this good that came out of it. And even that gratitude, like wasn't enough to, you know, to like leverage anything, but do you not think everything should, should, or can produce something of worth?
1: I mean, it depends on how you define produce and worth. I mean, I'm in a space right now where I'm just playing around with a lot of beliefs and assumptions just to turn them around and see, what serves, what doesn't serve, because um, like you found the value by Bev telling you um, then you can live with no regrets, right? So that was, then you were able to say, okay, this is the value, but there could be somebody else sitting off to the side going, that's not valuable. And so taking the assumption, like this had to produce something or even changing what the word value means, opened it up for you.
0: Yeah, but I don't I mean, I need yeah, I mean, I was grappling with like what is there to do with this? And for me, that was like it just gave me some leverage. And it because of that, it was valuable. So I understand like one person might not think it's valuable. Like for you it was the monk story or whatever, but it still I don't know. I like the oh. I like the value economy so much. Like in all of our talk about work and what we're producing and people like I love looking at the world through that lens. And so I don't know if I'm going to deconstruct it.
1: I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, and the monk story wasn't, didn't give me all the value of the situation. It just opened up a new perspective on it for me. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm saying like examining the, the statement, everything should produce value just to open up space and see like well what if it isn't true or what if value is it's kind of what john was trying to do when he said your reward is in heaven but it was just that was just a little ham-handed you know um because then you can see like and and i see a lot of um like in the coaching community i'm in where people talk about you always get back 10 times what you put in but you have to look really creatively Like when we get into, like you have a perspective, a a lot of people do, most people do, that everything should produce value. But depending on how narrow that perspective is, and this is a place where I've been playing around with my own scarcity mindset, depending on how narrow that perspective is, you can get yourself really upset. Like I put my coin in the machine and it should have produced a candy bar kind of like that's one end of the spectrum. And then you, you've been just exploring the other end of the spectrum. Like I can see a lot of people who would listen to you say, and the value I found was I can live life with no regrets. And they'd be like, well, screw that. I need, you know, something concrete in my hand. So it's just a way to play along the spectrum of meaning of that. I don't know. Am I talking nonsense? Everybody turn the speed up faster. So this sounds really smart. (laughs) smart. Rewind (laughs) back and listen to it faster. (laughs) But just even the monk story was a way to just play with the belief, everything should produce value to just open it. I can live with that. Because like, when you look at the life of like, say a baby that was um, born severely disabled and lived for five minutes and then died. um, I say that that life has value, but I would have to really sit and grapple to find it. And I I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I would have to really sit and expand my heart and my mind and and the way I think about value and people. And that gets a little bit into deconstructing the like bullshit industrial colonialism, where your worth comes from how productive you are. And, And like that, even that conversation is part of the gift of the life of that baby. Like if I believe that she was valuable, even though she only lived for five minutes and never did anything and never could do anything, then what does it mean? What does the word value mean? You know, and that, and that conversation is the value is part of the value that conversation with myself. Like I would never sit down with that baby's parents and go, let's talk about the meaning of your baby's life. Like that's not for me to say, but that's just another example of it really, because I would say that that person is as valuable as someone who solves world hunger. So like their inherent value.
0: Okay. Am I not prepared that? for that debate? No, <laughs> no, no. I just, I'm not prepared <laughs> to debate this with you at this point. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you but it's again like it's all the lens that you give it like you said but
1: that's the but, point is like grappling with that question is its own thing like you had to grapple with finding the value in this situation and you found it and it's it's lovely and the grappling itself was something a thing
0: yeah I don't disagree with that I mean I think that I love the I I love like it's another thing, another way for me to approach whatever's going on in the world around me because I can say, um, you know, what will like I could say to somebody else, like what will have you on the other side of this, like with a heart that's you know light as a feather that you like what do you have to take to the court and like play full out because I think so often when I watch like humanity, we hedge our bets like so closely and we, we play for retirement or we play for, you know, these, all these things. And then whether those show up or not is how we determine, like, but I think, I mean, I've always thought this, like that the best way to live life was to play full out. And that is something that everybody will have to
1: figure out for themselves,
0: but I think it's a lovely invitation.
1: Yeah. And you're, um, in a way you're touching on an infinite mindset. Yeah. Living your your life. Life is an infinite game. Right. And you can play it with an infinite mindset or a finite mindset. Whoever dies with the most toys wins, you know, that's a a classic joke. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's the definition of living an infinite life with a finite mindset. And you're talking about like, we talked a lot about what is an infinite mindset inside the game of business. But now you're really starting to play with what's an infinite mindset inside a game of life. Like I played full out, like you have a just cause to always play full out, to always be generous, to always give everything, you know, to leave nothing behind. Um, And so saying you played your game in alignment with your just cause is another way of saying what you just said, no regrets. Very well done, Lynn. I very, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It would have sounded good even on one time speed, I bet.
0: I bet that was, yeah. I was like, and ta da, <laughs> wrapping it all together. Cause I needed time to digest last week's podcast. Like, I thought about that a lot because
1: there was a lot in it. I was like, hmm. You mean the infinite games? That was two weeks ago.
0: Was that two weeks ago? What did we talk yeah. about
1: last week? We, last week, we talked about fat baby stealing a saltine. And feminist uh, postcard. Oh, yes. The feminist stuff. Fat baby. Gosh, that cat is my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's so naughty. (laughs) So my mom wants to take her cat. She's so heartbroken because my mom has this black cat. The cat sits in her lap probably 19 hours a day. It sleeps on her. Like my mom says that this cat is her soul cat, which is no, (laughs) no underestimation, but she has another cat that she left in Chile because during COVID she couldn't bring the cat back with her. And she always feels secretly guilty. You know, like all her passwords are like the cat in Chile is really still a nice cat, but all she really cares about is the other cat. Um, don't tell her I said that, but she super loves the cat that's in the US because it's the best cat, it's her sole cat. Yeah. So she keeps asking if she can take the cat back to Chile with her, which my brother would never allow.
1: And um plus that's a good way for the cat to get stuck in Chile again because COVID's not over. I know, right? Like, I mean, who knows what will happen. But so
0: my my husband told her, John goes, um, tell your mom that she can and he doesn't want to separate the cats right like he's like they're brothers and sisters they have to stay together because you know that's my husband but um he said tell that your mom that she can take the cat to or maybe I said this and then he laughed and said it was a horrible person that's probably more how this went it sounds more like your marriage (laughs) my mom said so I anyway my mother was told by by way of one of her mean-spirited children or. Um, in-law children. What do you call son or her son-in-law? I'm like, what do you call the in-law children? There's no collective
1: noun for that. Just like um, one of my biggest complaints. uh, So now as we're moving into more like the trans movement and we have pronouns and stuff for everything, there's no good collective noun. Like children is a gender neutral collective noun for all of your offspring, but there is no good collective noun for your aunts and uncles and your nieces and nephews. And the ones that people have landed on are pibbling and nibbling. And I'm like, fuck both of those right in the eye. That is the worst. That sounds like something that only would happen when you're naked in your tennis shoes. Seriously. Like my my niece, when we were talking about the word nibbling, um, they said, uh, it sounds like a skin tag in your genital area.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's the worst. That's we need a better
1: collective noun for like I guess children in law is what you were trying to land on but there isn't good collective nouns for some of those things in English I know I'm sure. I was
0: really reaching listen I'm to that sure. on
1: double speed it'll sound fast way better <laughs> put it on three everybody turn it up to three times right now um, <laughs> but in other other languages where the cultures are more family oriented they have more words for all of that like I think yeah Spanish where there's words for like the kinds of cousins like the flavor of cousin like you could have a cousin that's your from your mom's side of the family and your dad's side of the family and from your dad's sister is distinct from a cousin from your dad's brother and right. all those different things and we don't have words for any of that so anyway continue with the mean story about Tula
0: Black oh man i was just thinking maybe i shouldn't have told the story anyway my mother my poor mother was told that she could take her cat to Chile if she euthanized her other cat oh <gasps> oh that's terrible <laughs> which got the proper reaction from my mother
1: which only made it worth it to torture her a little oh she's only allowed to have one right is that the idea <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't even know and her other cat in Chile like never lets you hold it and like she's really pretty but like she, my all my mom wants to do is pet the cat and so she's really out of luck with the other cat I told my brother like he lives in Chile just let it out the door like it'll climb gonna up say, an and be gone
1: I was gonna say now we're back to your terrible Montana behavior where you were just gonna like <laughs> let the cats out the back so you could move back to Italy without any shame or guilt a terrible person. <laughs> They'll be eaten by hawks. It'll be fine. Is it- <laughs> I mean it is chilly
0: yeah so that's not gonna happen my mom's gonna leave her cat here and she's gonna mourn every
1: day I'm gonna send her pictures of the cat every day just to torture her you should get her a stuffed cat that looks just like it that can sit in her lap and like get the, get the kind that are weighted like it's stuffed with or something so that it's like five or six pounds sitting
0: is that a thing
1: I don't know. I'm sure you could. We find, should like,
0: definitely. Uh, I will buy one on Amazon and put beans in it to make it weighted immediately.
1: You should get so you can buy the things that go inside weighted blankets. Yeah. So you should buy a stuffed cat. Rip the seam out. Take out most of the <laughs> stuffing, and like <laughs> fill it up with the weighted. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Here you go. It's just oh like how goodness. Tula would feel if she was dead in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> well, now
0: I know why my brother's the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, there's no possible way for this to get any better than that. We should probably
1: call it a day. (laughs) Yeah. Living with no regrets with a dead cat in your lap. Everyone have a wonderful time and we'll see you next time in the ladies room. (laughs) In the ladies room. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 billion
0: entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm-hmm.